0: Shop it all at samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately.
1: For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. As well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgrainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody! It's Sam with Wrestling Overtime, bringing you your NXT results and thoughts for for Takeover Vengeance Day, February fourteenth, twenty. Twenty-one. Now of course, if your favorites didn't win or they didn't do quite as well as maybe what you wanted them to do or expected, then maybe you didn't have a happy Valentine's Day. However, I sure did. I enjoyed this pay-per-view overall and there were some things that I didn't Particularly like or didn't understand. Hopefully, a lot of that will be cleared up on NXT Wednesday night. Finishing um, Day, if you guys didn't, if you missed it, is on the WWE network. You can replay it. Uh, it started at seven o'clock, but they had the kickoff show at six thirty. Now, this is where I guess my first problem started. I don't know why they even bother having Sam Roberts on WWE TV at all. Um, I don't feel like he brings anything to the program. Now, maybe you guys like him. If you do, write me at overtime at com. Tell me that you do. What does he bring? Um, he's not funny. I... I feel like he is just a shield for someone speaking in his ear. However, I did enjoy Wade Barrett and Brandon Walker. What they basically do is the same thing that WWE will do with Elimination Chamber. They show video packages, make comments, and some um, predictions and stuff. And I always enjoy Wade Barrett. I can't help but enjoy him. But, like, um, they showed the women's video and how they got there tonight since it's the first matchup. And Sam Roberts says, oh, we can't forget how important these tournaments are because the winners almost always go on to big things kind of like Finn Balor. Thanks Sam. Thanks for that um, you know, way you state the obvious, I guess. Um, I mean to me it was absolutely ridiculous. Now, another reason why I watch WWE kickoff shows because a lot of times, R-Truth wanders in. He's hilarious. I like sometimes a back and forth with Kayla Braxton. And then they usually show a match. And a lot of times, the announced match that they think they're going to show, somehow it gets changed. And you get um, a really good match. Like the last pay-per-view, we got the women's tag team match. Uh, Or the pay-per-view before, I guess. Um, We got Charlotte and Asuka winning the titles. So, I feel like it's kind of valuable to watch the the kickoff show. I don't know why I watched this um, NXT kickoff show. However, I was very, very glad that I watched it. Probably in the last, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, 12 minutes. Eli Drake from Impact Wrestling appeared. I had heard rumors that he was filling out offers. I had not heard that he had signed, and I had not heard that he was close to signing. But he kind of wandered on the set. Um, His new name is LA Knight, and his character, his gimmick um I really have missed um he ends up, he won me over when he pushed Sam Roberts out of the way and just started insulting Sam Barrett and Brandon um, calling them cross-eyed half-wits and putting everybody on blast. And he told everybody that he was coming for their gold, and they better get ready. And his promo skills are off the charts. They really are. He is a talking machine. He always has been. I hope, however, that he really has cut, kept the uh, ring rust off. I hope he's been working out and been getting in the ring somewhere and going through things and that when he actually does appear on NXT that um, he can show off. I think with his promo skills and if he doesn't have a lot of ring rest, he can't help but go to, to, to the top in NXT. But, I can't imagine that Vince McMahon and Triple H and Bruce Pritchard don't want that him for the main roster fairly quickly. Um, they went over the rest of the matches and everything. Uh, I thought it was real amusing that when they got to the Kushida-Johnny Gargano match... Sam Roberts said, It's only February, but I guarantee this will be the match of the year. And I just kind of stopped. I really didn't know what to say to that because I just did, you know, news and thoughts this morning for February 14th, and I made the announcement Okada from New Japan is coming. Okada is probably one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, At least top three. With AEW and Impact Wrestling partnership that they, well, and NWA partnership that they have, Okada could be facing someone like Trey Miguel. Uh Kenny Omega, Sammy Govera, um Darby Allen. Um trying to think who Ricky Starks I think could put on a match of the year with Okada. Um Nick Aldis I would love to see that. Um Trying to think if they can get Will Osprey to come over and wrestle. I, you know, for him to say Kashida and Johnny Gargano may be the match of the year is unreal to me. Um, do I think it has the possibilities of being the match of the night? Sure. Do I think it has the possibilities of being the match of the week? Yeah. I don't even know that it will be match of the month. Um, Sam Roberts is an idiot. Anyway, let's get started with Vengeance Day. They start off with the women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic finals uh, between Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, versus Shotsky Blackheart, and Ember Moon. Now... I obviously took Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez for this particular match in the prediction show. I felt like I had to. They have been a team longer. Uh, Raquel started out, obviously, as Dakota's heavy, her power, her bodyguard, but has slowly come on. And into her own. And I just kind of want to take a minute. And talk about each one of these four women. And what I hope to see for them. Over the next. You know. Ten months or so. Um, Ember Moon. I enjoy her. I enjoyed her before she got hurt. I enjoy her now. I think she's a very sweet person. That. Has a lot of talent. I think she's very smart. However, I think she got dealt. A raw deal. Bad set of cards. As far as getting hurt. uh, Especially it being her Achilles tendon. And being off for over. A year. I absolutely hate that for her. I don't know what has happened. I know that things can go wrong when you're healing your Achilles tendon. They have obviously did that with her. Um, And I don't know how she's going to fix it. She seems very um, unstable and not confident uh, running on it. She's a lot slower. You can see that she is processing at the speed that she did before. Um, she knows what she wants to do. It is almost like her body will not allow her. Um, I don't know where her place is in NXT. I was shocked that they didn't put her on the main roster. However, once I saw her, I understood why. With the women's division that they have, um... I don't know how much longer Amber Moon will actually be on TV. I think they will eventually transition her. She will be more of a trainer. She will show up on TV to help new people out, to get them adjusted. And maybe she'll transition into a trainer for WWE. Or, you know, at the end of her contract, she may go elsewhere. In another promotion... She might be the best woman that they have. However, in NXT, with all of the different women that they have, she really stands out that she can't perform the way she used to. Like I said, somewhere else she may be the best woman. Shotsky Blackheart, I think over the last year, may be the most improved woman in NXT. She drove me crazy when she first showed up last year. I thought she was really green and in something other than her hair. Um, I didn't really like her gimmick of the little tank and running over Robert Stone. However, her wrestling has gotten better. She really, really has performed up to standard Um War games she was unbelievable in this match she was good um she held her own, and you can tell she is just getting better and better and better um It will surprise me if she doesn't have some kind of championship by summerslam uh or sometime this fall. It will also surprise me at this time next year if After the Royal Rumble, she is not on the main roster. She has a gimmick that they need sorely on the main roster as far as interesting, and it's not a cookie cutter one. And by this time next year, she should be even better. And so I think the sky's the limit for her. This year she definitely needs to just work on her promos and them not be as scripted. You can sometimes tell that she's memorized things or she's reading things off the teleprompter. And so I, I really hope that we see her on the main roster this time next year. Dakota Kai, man, Dakota Kai has, seems like she has been in NXT forever. Um when I sit down and think about it, I want to say that Dakota Kai I'm pretty sure was there when Bailey was in NXT. I can't remember if she was there when Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte were there. I don't know whether she came right as all three of those were moving up. But I'm almost positive. I need to look. But I'm almost positive the four to six months that Bailey stayed extra in NXT to be the leader, to get the locker room straight, to help train, to really show the newbies what NXT was about and help them. I'm almost positive Dakota Kai was there then. That would have been five years ago, six years ago. Um, I feel like if she's not moved up to the main roster soon, then she probably needs to leave. Her contract should be running out. And she needs to go prove herself somewhere else. It's almost like she's being held back, almost like Rey Mysterio is, for her size. She has the talent. She has the talk. But... She doesn't. She's never held the championship for any length of time. People don't talk about her as the next best thing. And when you're not being talked about in that way, after five years, I think you really need to go somewhere else, get a different experience, and maybe they'll package you different. And then you can come back to the WWE and make your money. But if she's happy and this is what she wants to do and she wants to stay in NXT, maybe she's like Tommaso Champa, Maybe she's like um Finn Balor and Adam Cole and um Johnny Gargano and wants to stay in NXT. I don't know. I haven't heard her say that, but I just feel like she can offer so much more and they're not really pushing her. And the reason why I say that is because she is in this match doing a lot of the dirty work, and she did it in war games. They need people like her, but for her sake, I think that possibly she may need to move on. And the reason why is when you compare her to the two women in this match that are considered the next best things with Shotsky Blackheart, like I just spoke about, and then Raquel Gonzalez, who is unbelievable, um, she may need to move on. Now, Raquel Gonzalez, I don't want to say that she, in the last year, is, you know, the most, um, the The person that I guess has improved the most, because I do believe that was Shotsky Blackheart. I think Raquel always had this talent. They just didn't allow her to show it. They wanted her to evolve in storyline. I think her work with Rhea Ripley, that, that they showed, they revealed that they were friends and everything, and that they worked out together and everything. Um, you're seeing that. I wish they would have shown it earlier, and her and Rhea could have moved up to the main roster together. Um, I understand why they're wanting one to come after the other. Raquel, the sky's the limit. She is powerful. She is athletic as all get out. She is young. She is willing to learn, and her promos are getting better. And that's one of the reasons why I think she needs to stay down in NXT just a little longer, is her promos. I can see her, though, being a surprise at SummerSlam. I can see her moving up by SummerSlam. Will they do that? I don't know. It depends on when they strap that title on her. And I think it better be soon. I really do. I know that she's holding the tag belts now, but I think they need to strap that um belt, EO's belt, on her fairly soon. Otherwise I think that she moves up, she has to wait until Royal Rumble and she'll appear. And move up then. And I hate that for her. Because I think she'll be ready by SummerSlam. I think we'll all be talking about her then. Um, she has just... Wowed me. With her moveset. Her transitions. Her chemistry that she has developed with Dakota Kai. This match was a fairly good match. Um... There was some confusion in the middle of it. uh, The referee missed a tag and caused some issues. This was a back-and-forth match. I liked that Ember went for a modified STF. Hadn't seen that in a while. It's John Cena's uh, old finishing maneuver. Mercedes Martinez also used it in the women's championship. I'm glad that they are – somebody is teaching it down in NXT. I wish some of the people in um, the main roster would pick up some stuff. I actually wrote that on Twitter today that I wish they would bring the STF, the Octopus Stretch, the uh, End in Death Drop. I think those are moves that look cool – When the women do them, they're not hard, and they look more devastating than a simple leg drop like Naya does or the Bailey-to-Belly suplex. Or, and I'm just going to say it, there are so many of them using the Crippler crossface that Chris Benoit made popular. Um, You know, that's the bank statement. Um, and so... Charlotte needs to get rid of the natural selection. I mean, come on. Um, the disarmor that is Becky's... All of that needs to go. They The women need to evolve. And so, it used to be they could do a drop... uh, A drop, or a leg drop, or a drop kick, and that could finish people. Or they could do a suplex... Now they've got to step it up. And so I was glad to see Ember use that. And they tried to make it seem like Ember and Shotsky were going to win. However, watching this match, knowing how NXT tells stories and everything, I don't know that many really thought that they were going to give the belts to Ember and Shotsky. They hadn't been a tag team. They weren't You know, they weren't doing a lot of double-team combinations and stuff like that. So the right team won as far as Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, and they really showed that they deserved that. If Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler still hold the tag team championships, I want to see Raquel versus Nia. I think Raquel needs to get the best of her. However, Shayna is better than both of them put together. And so I look, if they show the true Shayna, if they allow her to be, you know, snap, tap, or nap, then they'll hold the belts. Um, you know, the the NXT women do not have a chance against Shayna. If they can get Shayna out and concentrate on Nia, then yeah. Uh, I could see the belts switching hands. Will that be the best? I don't know. That would be a way to get Dakota and Raquel on the main roster, though, occasionally to show up to defend them. So, I don't know. Next up, we had the NXT North American Championship. We had Johnny Gargano versus Kushida. These two put on a heck of a show. Uh, they were the match of the night. Um, I liked that as, they, as The Way was coming out, they didn't really notice because he's always lagging behind that Austin Theory was missing he got abducted by Dexter Loomis. I liked how they started this story about three weeks ago, and then it paid off tonight, with Dexter Loomis, you know, abducting or kidnapping um Austin Theory. And using his social media, that if you were, were watching um Austin Theory's social media, it was obvious that Dexter Loomis had hacked it. And you saw Johnny Gargano get out to the ring, and he noticed that Austin Theory wasn't there. There wasn't really anything he could do about it because the match was getting ready to start. I wish they would have told that story, though, and went ahead and not just kind of teased it. I wish at some point, you know, Johnny Gargano would have yelled for Candice LeRae. And and said, You gotta go find Austin. Where is he? What's going on? You know, um. I wish they would have played that out of Indy Hartwell and, and Candice LeRae being in the back looking for Austin Theory while this great match was going on. Because she just showed his stuff tonight. Um, I'm glad that they kept the belt on Johnny, though. I really am. I think that. They... I think WWE doesn't keep belts on people a lot. Um... I don't know that Kishida needs the belt. I don't know that he... Is the second... Possibly third... Face... Of NXT. And... I think they need to continue to build him. I... Don't like his gimmick. Um... I don't like the hoverboard lock. Um, I did like the way they showed it the first time. I wish they would do more of that. Um, I like that Kushida put Johnny outside the ring. They were on the floor. He caught him. He put him in the hoverboard lock, and you saw Johnny Gargano tap. But because he was outside the ring, he was on the floor, it didn't count. You have to be in the ring. And it, and so I wish they would do more of that than the near pins all the time, or the near falls, one, two, and they kick out. Um, so that was something different, and I really enjoyed that, that that happened. I liked all the different submission moves, the ankle lock, um. Uh, trying to think, I know that Kushida DDT'd him, but there was another submission move that he did, and I was like, I am glad that, that Kushida is using submission moves that Champa and Timothy Thatcher aren't the only ones, you know, doing that. Um, I almost felt, though, that this match because of the near falls because of the oh all the time i wanted it to end um i think when you do too many near falls you're conditioning me that oh it's going to end oh it's going to end oh it's going to end and then eventually i'm just like end it i'm done and so I think they really put a lot of near falls or near taps in this. And I didn't want to get bored, but I was borderline, okay, let's get this over. Um I like how they kept the belt on Johnny, and he got a clean win over Kushida. He didn't use Austin Theory, he didn't use Candice LeRae, he didn't use Indy Hartwell. You know, there was no scream mass person coming. Their, you know, the referee wasn't had his back turned and, and Johnny did something. No, it was a clean win. And to me, that signifies this is over. This program is now over. Kushida moves on, Johnny Gargano moves on. And I hope that they do that Wednesday night. I hope that this is over and we're done. Then we get, of course, um, the Grizzled Young Veterans cutting a promo on MSK. Um, I like how they're letting MSK be themselves. And by that, I mean I w- I watch them in Impact Wrestling as the rascals. And they are more original and more creative now than they ever have been. They're allowing them to bounce around and do the things they do. The things that they did on the independent circuit, the things they did uh, in Impact Wrestling. And you can see how energetic, how excited, how... They are different than the other tag teams in NXT. They're happy to be there. Having the Grizzled Young Veterans cut a promo where they tell them to wipe those stupid smiles off their face because this isn't a game and there's nothing fun about what's going to happen to them. Uh... I don't know if that was the right promo for them to do. MSK is about fun. And even when you beat them, they're having fun. They're glad to be there. They're glad to be wrestling. They're glad you gave them a job. Uh, Nash Carter is glad that he got to buy a new car finally. Um, They are going to have stupid smiles on their faces because they are happy. They're happy to – um they came from Impact Wrestling where there was no one in the crowd, and they were still bouncing around and happy and grinning. And now to be at the Capitol Center uh, or the Capitol, Capitol Wrestling Center and have the virtual fans and to hear a crowd being piped in or not, um they are excited, and that shows – Um, The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals of the men with the Grizzled Young Veterans versus MSK, I think it was a really good match. But, you know, Nash Carter and Wesley deserved it. They are the best tag team in um, NXT right now. And yes, that includes... Undisputed error. Yes, uh, that includes Timothy Thatcher and Ciampa. Um, Although I think Timothy Thatcher, Ciampa versus MSK could be a tag team match of the month. I mean, easily. But I think these guys um, get the belts. They get them soon. Um, I think that they get moved up to the main roster scene. The main roster needs them. Um, They are in the mold of excitement that New Day brings, that Street Profits bring. And their athleticism, their originality, their creativity will push the Street Profits to get better. The Street Profits themselves, is Ford, he has unbelievable athletic talent but i feel like no one pushes them to be original, to be creative. I don't think they're coming up with new moves to wow people. I don't think they're um playing to the crowd. Bringing MSK up, like i said, probably by this summer or summer Shanghai I am somewhere around there. um I think it will push the Street Profits and make them be better. Because now that Montez Ford is back and his injury is better, I think they need to go, obviously, back after the belts. But who is there to really get them going? Who is there to get them excited unless you create some tag teams? Um, you know, I guess Jimmy Uso will be coming back. I would say he'd be back by by WrestleMania. Um, so the Usos may push them. But otherwise, there's not really anyone up there. Um, the New Day is kind of flatlined. And... So I was glad to see MSK actually get these. I was scared to death that they were going to give it to the Grizzled Young Veterans just because they had been there. And had this been WWE, I don't know that Vince would have let them win, win, MSK win this tournament because they were trained and developed elsewhere. And he's really bad about if he gets somewhere from some, if he gets somebody from somewhere else, um punishing them for up to six months or longer and not allowing them to get over it and so i'm glad that they allowed msk to actually do that then um you got kind of um pump it up video slash promo from cameron grimes uh about, you know, rolling around in all of his money, swimming in the pool with all his money and how rich he is and all that. Um, still not a Cameron Grimes fan. They need to shave his chest. Um, anyway, moving on. The NXT Women's Championship. Um, Io Shirai, Mercedes Martinez, and Tony Storm. I hate triple threats. Can't stand them. I like Mercedes Martinez it's been a 20 year journey for her to get where she needs to get Um, I want to say I can't think of the year and that's sad but I want to say 2008 maybe 2009 somewhere around there um, there's a clip I just watched it not too long ago. That's the reason why I can't believe I can't remember the year of it. Um, it's on YouTube. Mercedes Martinez is taking on Sasha Banks in the Northeast and I can't remember the promotion either. But I think it was a two thousand eight, two thousand nine show and I was shocked it was a young Sasha Banks. She could tell she was green. She obviously had not made it to WWE, um, and she took on Mercedes Martinez. And even then, the announcers were talking about uh, Mercedes Martinez being a veteran. And so, like I said, this has been a 20-year journey for her, and I feel for her. And I'm glad that she finally made it to WWE. She didn't need to be in this match. I, I'm sorry. She just. She didn't. Um, this should have been EO Shirai versus Tony Storm. I think it would have been a better match. Um, I think EO is a really good wrestler when she wrestles. So let me define that. Um, Triple H talks about how Eo may be the best women's wrestler in the world. If you truly believe that, why is she not on the main roster? Well, number one, he knows if she goes to the main roster, she's going to get buried. Vince is not going to push her. Uh, Vince is not going to see her as the number one woman in the world. I don't see her as the number one woman in the world. When she wrestles, when she's actually in the ring, one-on-one, she's very good. I don't want to say she's not. But there are periods, they put her, think about it, they put her in a lot of triple threats, fatal um, four-waves, in war games, Go back and watch some of these matches. EO disappears. She is not the star. Um, because when you watch war games, you're not going, uh, where's EO? You're, you're not doing that. You're going, where's Rhea? Where's Rhea Ripley? Where, where's Raquel Gonzalez? Oh my gosh, where are they at? Where's Tony Storm? You know, They are the ones that have the star power. And so, even when Charlotte had the belt, there were still triple threats. EO would still disappear. And she disappears, and she disappears for minutes. And then, all of a sudden, there she's standing on the top rope, ready to do her moonsault. And they holler, EO from the sky! Well, that's all great. Think about In in Your House, the pay-per-view they had this summer. She disappeared forever. And then she jumped off the set. Well, that's all wonderful and everything that you can do that. But I didn't find myself saying, where's EO? And I really paid attention to that in this match. And there are times she disappears. And had I just been watching the match, I wouldn't have cared where she went. But I found myself going, oh, EO disappeared, where's her moonsault? And trying to catch, and I would notice the camera would, Tilt so that it wouldn't show her climbing up on the top rope so that she could fly and come in. I was glad that in the beginning of the match that she did that, she disappeared and did that, and there was no one home. She hit the ground. Um, I kind of found that funny. I thought, oh, well, maybe they are going to give this to Tony Storm because that's who I predicted. Storm needs to take over this division for right now. Um, however, I don't think Triple H is going to let her. I think he's going to save it for Raquel Gonzalez. I think Raquel Gonzalez is going to actually be the one that's going to take the belt from EO. I think Triple H is just waiting for them to call her to the main roster. And... EO will get eaten alive by that main roster. The four horsewomen, uh, Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Ka- uh, Carmella, Natty, um, I'm trying to think, Naomi, um, Mandy Rose is probably better than her right now. As far as star power, I I can't see crowds when they come back or even the virtual crowds chanting for Io or even being intrigued by her wanting her to win. And so I was really disappointed in this match that they didn't allow Tony Storm to take this belt. Of course, I've been disappointed by how they've handled the women's championship before. So it shouldn't surprise me. However, there was an issue in this match. I, I didn't really notice it at the time. And why is because I was looking for when Eo would disappear and come back in. And I was watching, you know, Tony Storm do Storm Zero and and control things. Um I liked how Storm hit the diving headbutt. I haven't, you know seen that being used in a while. But here's the thing, Triple H was asked at the media after TakeOver media call, and I mean I'm obviously not doing this live, so I had a chance to listen to that. I knew the match was short, I thought they had just planned it that way, I didn't look at my watch or my Um, phone, and so I wasn't sure how short it was. Didn't realize that it only ran 13-14 minutes. Triple H admitted that they had 20 minutes. They were supposed to go 20 minutes. He didn't have an answer. He did the Triple H dance around thing. I would like to know who called it. Because obviously... Either their pacing was completely off, they didn't structure the match correctly. And how do you not do that with a 20-year veteran wrestler with Mercedes Martinez? Tony Storm and EO are experienced. They're not rookies. How do you think 13 minutes is 20? So they didn't mess up. As far as that goes. So either they didn't choreograph it long enough. There was some kind of botch. Somebody told them to call it. And you're thinking, what do you mean call it? Well, somebody got hurt. Triple H gave an injury report that no one got injured at this takeover. No one... You know, was seriously hurt as far as he knew. Um, so I'm interested in NXT Wednesday night to find out if Mercedes Martinez or Tony Storm are hurt. Because that's the only reason why I would think that you, I mean, six, seven minutes when you're wrestling is a big deal. Um, I didn't see any of them cardio or them to run out of gas or anything like that where they couldn't go anymore. All they had to do was get somebody to throw them out, and they could lay on the floor for two minutes and rest. Um, so I want to know what happened here. Because if it was supposed to go 20 minutes and it didn't, what's going on? Did someone in the back tell them... Shorten your match because Finn Balor and Pete Dunn need more time. We need more time at the end. Um, So that, I I do wonder about that. Well, who made that call? Um, then we see a video, of course, of LA Knight signing his NXT contract and then his promo that he cut on the kickoff show just in case people didn't Tune in to the, the kickoff show. We get Finn Balor, Pete Dunn. I don't know about you guys. To me, something doesn't look right with Pete Dunn. I'm not making fun. I don't want anyone to think I'm making fun. But, and I've thought this for probably about two months. When he's come out and he's taking his shirt off. I think there is something up. I don't know whether they've told him that he needs to lose weight. I don't know if he felt like he needed to lose weight in order to, to try to look more muscular. He doesn't. He almost... Looks anorexic, uh... Too skinny. Uh... Especially with his broad shoulders. And how his waist tapers down. And he doesn't appear to have... The look of power that he had a year ago. Uh, You know, when he was running around with Matt Riddle and... um over in NXT UK, he looked healthy. And I'm not saying that he's not healthy now. He may be more healthy now than he ever has been. I don't know. But to me, he looks like he has changed. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I know a lot of people found it boring. Um, especially in the beginning when they were locking up, when Pete Dunn was doing the side headlock. uh, I enjoy that Wade Barrett points out he's got him in the side headlock. Finn Balor's jaw has been broken. It is giving him problems. He talked to the New York Post. He doesn't have feeling in his lip. This is just making him, his jaw hurt, but it's also giving him a headache. And, you know, uh, he he, you know, hit, hits the head scissors, and they are really doing a lot of good wrestling moves. Well, Pete Dunne then starts working on his fingers, his wrist, where he supposedly snapped him. He starts working on his arm. And I know that when this kind of stuff happens you see on the internet if you're watching, you see on Twitter, you see people talking, I wish they'd do something. Wish well they are, they're they're grappling. But people are so conditioned to high flying and uh people getting off the ropes and being slammed into suplexes and all of that, that they don't appreciate a lot of this kind of grappling wrestling. And I'm pointing out again that someone down there is training the STF because we saw Amber Moon do it, we saw Mercedes Martinez do it, and then we saw Pete Dunne do it. And he rolled into a knee bar right after it. Um, I, I really did. I enjoyed, uh, Finn Balor hitting that twisted suplex and then them immediately exchanging punches and chops and, and slaps and, and all of that. I really, really got into that. I thought this was, a good story that they told of them targeting different parts of the body. You know, Dunn doing his broken jaw, his arm, his wrist, his fingers that he had hurt in the previous weeks. Uh, we saw Finn Balor attack Pete Dunn's knee and his leg, and doing a lot of movements for that. Um, I liked that finally someone knew the coup de grace was coming and caught Finn Balor and got him in a triangle choke. I've been waiting for that. Because Finn Balor takes his time climbing up to the ropes and getting ready for the coup de grace. And so, you know, Pete Dunne actually did what a real wrestler should. And did a counter to that. And so he got him in the, the triangle toe, uh, choke, and Finn Balor had to crawl, you know, to the ropes to break that up. um, And then immediately, Dunn used his leg power, rolled him back to the middle of the ring, and and punched uh, Finn Balor in the face and kept the triangle choke. Um, they showed, you know, Finn Balor basically, possibly, (laughs) being unconscious, and Pete Dunn going to pick him up, and the referee stops. Um, Finn Balor, of course, is like, no, I can go, I'm fine, you know, and, um... Finn Balor goes to an abdominal stretch. Uh, I wish he would have put him in an octopus stretch because I think that would have looked better and would have stopped Pete Dunne from snapping his fingers. You know, um, and then this ends with, you know, Balor hitting him with a Pele kick, but Pete Dunn does the bitter end, lands bloody Sunday. Byler of course, kicks out and grabs Dunn, and Dunn immediately snaps those fingers, and Byler then comes back with his double stomp, And hits a running drop kick and goes to the coup de gras. And then he hits him for the 1916 and Finn Balor wins. Finn Balor needed to win. Pete Dunne on the mic is awful. Uh, If he ever wants to go anywhere in wrestling, he either has to get a manager, he needs to become part of a faction like Bobby Lashley did, or they're... Gonna have issues because he is unbelievable as a heel. He is unbelievable as a wrestler. He just cannot talk. Um, I loved that Finn is exhausted. He's been taken to the limit and beating been beaten by Pete Dunne. But still has his championship and as he's trying to walk away, Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch come out and attack him. Uh and they throw him back into the ring. I love that Kyle O'Reilly and the Undisputed Air come down and run them off. Um I like this friendship, or respect-ship, I don't know what you want to call it, between Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor. I like that Kyle offered Finn his hand, helped him up, and then all four men pose. I enjoyed that. But you had the tension, and there's always been tension, between Undisputed Error whether they could actually trust Finn Balor. But, what we saw instead was, yes, you can trust Finn Balor, he's a man of honor, it's Adam Cole you can't trust, and he super clicks Finn Balor. Immediately, Roderick Strong and Cal O'Reilly are looking at Cole and is like, dude, what are you doing? Um, y- y- you can't be doing that. And he super kicks Cal O'Reilly. The show ends. I wanted them to wait another minute and a half, because I wanted to know what Roderick Strong decided. What did he say? And I wanted to know what Adam Cole said. What did Adam Cole do? What did he think? Did they leave together? Um, What happened when Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor set up and stood up, did they then make a pact, hey, we're going after this? What is going to happen? And I know that was the cliffhanger, we've got to wait Wednesday night on NXT, we want Adam Cole to explain himself and all of that, but... You know, I like that they leave you with cliffhangers. And I hope that after Elimination Chamber, WWE does that because they have Raw the very next night where they can answer some questions. Or if the cliffhanger is on SmackDown, then you have to wait. That builds people and makes them want to watch your shows. And nowadays, it's not so much about the pay-per-views. It's about getting ratings on regular TV to get the commercial money. And I don't know that WWE has switched over to that yet, that thinking, whereas NXT has. Um, because this wants me makes me want to watch NXT. It makes me want to look up... What does AEW have coming? Because I usually watch AEW, and then I watch NXT on DVR. However, this show made me want to watch NXT and watch AEW on DVR if they don't have anything exciting. So that's what I need to check. And so I thought this was not the best takeover I thought some of the matches were wonky, but um, it does make me want to watch their show, which is what it's about. What did you think of the show? I know a lot of people slammed it. I know a lot of people thought it was the best thing ever. There didn't seem like there were too many people in the middle like I was. Were you in the middle or did you think it was great? What did you think of it? I know I didn't break down the matches, I'm assuming you watched them, or you went to some other program and got a breakdown and a blow-by-blow blow what each wrestler did. I don't want to do that. I want to give you some analysis. I want to get you thinking about things. I want to get you to actually watch what's going on. I hope that I put it in some of your minds, oh, the next time that EO defends the championship, i I want to see, is it a triple threat? Is it a fatal four-way? Is it some kind of stipulation match where she can disappear and go climb somewhere? So that's what, you know, I want th- these episodes to be about. So what did you think? Write me at overtime at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram on Wrestling Overtime. And I definitely want to talk to you guys. As I always say, my DMs are open, and it seems like a lot of you want to just talk one-on-one. If you talk on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and you get people going, though, you get sometimes a better conversation. So however you want to do it, it's fine with me. Uh, just make sure that you tell me what's going on. Uh I will be talking to you guys soon, and I'll see you down the road.
0: golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately.
1: For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Experienced staff at local branches and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So, whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.